Hello and welcome to episode 180 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. It's just Craig and me today. Let's get started. Uh, this week's topic uh, was inspired by an episode of the Unbelievable Podcast with Justin Briley, uh, which is a great uh, British show if you're interested in conversations between Christians and non-Christians. That is kind of the... Uh, somehow, sometimes I have in-house discussions between two Christians, but uh, often it's a, a Christian and atheist or um, something like that that's kind of giving two oppo- quite oppo- opposing views at bringing them together and just having a, a friendly conversation. Uh, and this particular episode was titled, Should Christians Embrace Transhumanism? It was re- released on the 20th of July. I don't really want to spend our whole podcast episode- Two hours, yeah. Uh, rehashing. Sorry. Two, our whole two hours, yeah. Out. <laughs> let's let's just aim for three. Let's make it the longest <laughs> one we've ever done. Uh, we don't want to spend the whole time sort of rehashing uh, blow for blow what happened in that um, podcast because I think it, the episode is sort of stands alone quite as a strong discussion. So um, recommend that people go and listen to that. But essentially, it will, what it is it will was make you angry. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Ooh, okay, so David's putting some of his cards on the table. Well, early. I think these are everybody's uh, cards. Everybody, Everybody's going to be made angry by parts of this, I'm sure. Yes, well, that's probably true. Uh, and so, basically what it is, is a discussion between Micah Redding, who is the president or the chairman, or he's the founder, at least, of uh, the Christian Transhumanist Association, I think it's called, um, and another man called, let me just look up his name, Another man called Nigel Cameron, who is the author of The Robots Are Coming, Us, Them, and God, which is, he's a skeptic in terms of this whole transhumanist thing. So, what is transhumanism? Yeah, because I'm getting really uncomfortable until you define it. (laughs) Well, Justin talks about some some story where a girl was like Googling trans, am I trans or something in in the episode, and then uh, her parents were sort of thinking, what road is this heading down? And then she told them she told them the phrase transhuman and they've just freaked out they're like they've never even heard of that before so uh it it That's, is a belief I think you've mentioned theory. a story from a from a i think it's black mirror episode i haven't seen that show but yeah, yeah something like that yeah it's a belief or the- and and you know there were yeah anyway we should probably not even go into that but um because the whole premise of that story was kind of dubious at the start <laughs> but uh, a belief or theory that the So, transhumanism, a quick definition from Wikipedia, a belief or theory that the human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations, especially by means of science and technology. And therein lies the tech reformation tie-in. So, my, I must admit, I'm going to put some of my cards on the table. My uh, first thought when I started listening to this about two minutes into the discussion, or even maybe even earlier, as soon as I sort of heard what it meant was just like, uh, well, duh, that's Gnosticism and that's heresy. Like, you kind of, because um, they started talking fairly quickly about, you know, having some existence where you're kind of able to upload your uh, your thought processes, your mind essentially to the cloud and then sort of live um, almost like an out-of-body existence. And I was like, well, that's Gnosticism. That's, you know, um, the body is not good and we should sort of be looking to do away with the body. Uh, and so I was sort of ready to sort of discount the episode and move on. Uh, but I did listen further and I was interested by the fact that the guy who was arguing for this concept of transhumanism uh, actually said that he believes that transhumanism is the opposite of Gnosticism. Uh, and 
the way he sort of got to that was um, he's 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 saying that matter is not evil. Matter is good, but it needs to be transformed. And then he tries to link that to the resurrection, basically, and say before Jesus uh, died and was resurrected there, um, he was sort of constantly always transforming the matter and the energy around him. And, and I guess he's pointing there mainly to physical healings and things like that, um, improving people's um, situations in some way, shape or form. And then after the resurrection, you know, he was able to walk through walls and appear, you know, unannounced and um, go up to heaven on a cloud and all these kinds of like, um, all these kinds of other ways of, of him being transformed and therefore um, sort of taking that and coupling that with reasoning from the dominion mandate in Genesis one and saying like God created us in his image and he also created us um, to have, you know, a level of creativity and relational ability um, that surpasses other creatures. And therefore his argument is kind of that it seems like that those things are the core of what it means to be made in the image of God. And therefore they are the things that we most need to hang on to rather than physical form, for example, uh, which can vary somewhat from person to person. Is that kind of, do you, you've listened to the episode, right? I have indeed. Yeah. So is that kind of a fair sort of summary of, of the Christian transhumanist position? Do you think? Yeah, I, I, the, I'll be honest with you. So I know you've listened to it like seven or nine times, uh, but I've only listened to it the one Not time. Nine. <laughs> that is your favorite number. <laughs> it's Jim's favorite number. I thought I'd bring it in just for him. Um, <laughs> having only listened to it one time, I still feel like I can pretty confidently say that the fellow who was representing the Christian transhumanism point of view didn't really make it clear what he was for and what he was against. They talked in such, and, and this was true of both sides. They, they primarily talked in such vague, uh, amorphous, hard to wrap your mind around, uh, concepts that it was hard for me to say, mm-hmm. I'm for this, I'm against this. And, and even when, when he was asked a direct question, like, are you trying to say that like the improvements that the Bible, the improvements to the human condition that the Bible says are coming in the resurrection will be partly brought about by man and technology? And the guy was like, well, you know, that's really nuanced and there's a lot of nuance and a nuance, nuance. But yeah, I would say, I mean, there's a component. And I was just like, I can't, I can't get anywhere with this conversation. Like, no, there's, there's nothing to latch onto. So that was, that was difficult. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you want to summarize the other side too? Uh, we could, I think just to your point there, I, I, I found the same thing. And I think one of the things that, you know, I felt like Justin, as sort of the moderator of the conversation, was trying to... It was almost like he was trying to work out what he thought transhumanism actually looked like on the right. ground. And so, he was trying to constantly ask questions like, so, would you be okay with this? Or do you think this would be a valid way of thinking about this? You know, And he was sort of giving specifics like uploading your mind to the cloud and, and running from there and all that kind of thing. Um, and it seemed like he kept... He couldn't really properly, at times, let go of this idea of a disembodied existence where... We become we become so technological that we sort of stop being human, at least to to what we currently see being human as. Um, and what what the uh, what Michael was saying, the, this Christian transhumanist, which I still you know Russell Moore apparently has said that that is a an oxymoron that term, but we'll use it for the purposes of the discussion. Who are you calling an oxymoron? Uh, 
no, the term is an oxymoron. Uh, and so he was saying he's not arguing for a disembodied existence. He's arguing for a differently embodied existence. Ooh. That was the um, the clever <laughs> clever turn of you phrase. You know somebody's want a debate there. when what they say is tweetable. Yeah. <laughs> you also know that's how they've answered um, the anyways, question. So that, yeah, well, exactly. I guess it's, yeah, you'd probably say that. So, so that was kind of his take, which I just thought was interesting because he, at least he shot down the heresy that I thought he was going towards, but then he sort of started talking about some other things. And I was like, eh, this is still sounding like it could be heretical. He also said he takes quite a bit of, or he took quite a bit of inspiration from C.S. Lewis, N.T. Wright, and uh, G.K. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton, and I just went, ooh, there's a trifecta. <laughs> like, in terms of actually, I mean, three, three Catholics, the, but some, only one of guys, them knows it. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, you can learn, you can learn some, probably some good things from all three of them, but to combine all three <laughs> of them and, and draw heavily on all three of them, I'd be like, whoa. Anyway, uh, the opposite sort of side of the spectrum or the, the, the opposing guy in this conversation, um, Nigel Cameron, was, um, I loved his British accent, by the way. It just, you would. I think he won. He just won on on sounding smart alone, um, but right. his he seemed to hinge most of his sort of point of view on the idea of the incarnation being central to our understanding of um, the image of God. In in that, uh, you know, the incarnation shows us that um, that God placed value in the human form. Like he created the human form. He said it was really good, and then. He didn't just leave it there. He actually put, you know, entered into human form in the person of Jesus. Um, and, and then even after Jesus uh, was resurrected, he, he still is in human form, albeit in a glorified state. So uh, with a glorified body. So he was sort of arguing that that in and of itself means that we re- we we have to be extremely um, cautious about and, and stay away from things that, that seek to sort of lead to any kind of disembodied existence because there seems to be, yes, there's differences in our physical makeup as people, but there is some significance to our physical makeup that means we need to not sort of embrace full-on what he sort of, I guess, the sort of extreme transhumanism that can result. He actually said that transhumanism in traditionally, traditional sort of philosophical thought has been a a gateway to post-humanism, which is basically technology takes over and and we don't need humans anymore, or, or we don't need to be human anymore. We can pass on our existence to some other um, form of technology. I suppose is would that yeah is that kind of yeah yeah it, it was there there were I think maybe a number of different conversational threads happening all all at the same time, um, and and one of them was this like is it even okay to use the word transhumanism about a Christian and uh, the 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 affirmative view was essentially trying to say if we don't like this is a thing that's going to happen like transhumanism in some senses is going to happen you know people are going to have prosthetic arms would would be considered a a uh a form of trans transhuman uh upgrades uh people are going to do this this is the thing that's going to happen the question is are christians going to be involved in the conversation and that's why he's very much in favor of using the term and slapping Christian in front of it and, and pioneering kind of a Christian view on this. And the other fellow, uh, the, the one opposed, uh, I don't remember their names like you do, which is unfortunate. Uh, the other fellow who was <laughs> Micah Redding and Nigel, Cameron. Nigel was opposed. And his basis for opposition was essentially that 
given the history of the term transhumanism, it's not really possible to separate it from this idea that is inherently anti-biblical. And I think they both did agree that like uploading your consciousness to the cloud and, you know, casting off this mortal shell was a, a, a contra-biblical thing to do that, that if it were possible, Christians shouldn't do. They seem to agree there, but they also seem to have very strong differences about where somewhere before that the line should be drawn, but where? Yeah. Um, but the, yeah. again, the, 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 that, that conversation was trying to happen in the midst of the conversation about whether or not we should even use the term. And I think that led to a lot of, I don't know if it led to confusion, but it led to the conversation not getting anywhere, which was what I found the most <laughs> frustrating. Cause at the end of the which day, I wasn't sure what I believed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I must admit, I found it. I found that, yeah, anyway, it, 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 I agree. I didn't really know what either of them believed in, in a deep sense, but I kind of found myself maybe edging, yeah, well, edging more towards one than the other. Um, and I think that would be probably more on, on the more conservative end, and that's probably largely because I don't know what the other guy means. <laughs> um, anyway, so I guess moving away a little bit from classic, classic unbelievable show. Classic British author, like N.T. Wright, C.S. Lewis. Uh, well, th- those two will do for now. I read them, and I'm just like... I think I understand this. I think I understand this. I think I understand this. And they get to the end. And I'm like, what the heck did I just read? <laughs> like I couldn't articulate I that. Be, I, I haven't read enough of either of them to really comment. Um, but I did read John Piper's response to NT Wright on justification and kind of went, hmm, okay. I, I think he explained well enough um, where NT Wright was coming from. And I've also heard him in debate with James White about the new perspective on Paul mm. stuff. So I think I kind of get, enough of it to know something about where he's coming from. But yeah, I, I can imagine that would be the case. Anyway, I want to move away from Unbelievable and just let people listen to that if they've got the time and the interest. And let's also move away from NT um, Long. <laughs> uh, one of the things I, I guess the first sort of thing that, that got me thinking about what we could discuss was uh, kind of where you landed just before about you were saying that his, I guess Micah's main argument that I felt was something that, we would probably resonate with at least to a degree um, since this was kind of the purpose of tech reformation when it started or one of them uh, was the idea that technological change is inevitable and it's important that Christians are part of the conversation in terms of how technology advances and all those kinds of things. So I guess, you know, one of the questions that came up for me that I've, I've just been thinking through is how do we, you know, as tech interested Christians, how do we sort of celebrate and, and, hope to extend or want to, you know, keep supporting the advancement of technology, um, particularly technology that exists to make our lives better, not just to help us land on Mars, which, um, yeah, is another whole sort of component (laughs) of what's going on at the moment, uh, without sort of blurring what they talked about in the unbelievable episode, um, which is the creative creature distinction where we kind of get so interested in advancing tech that we think this, this role of us being the creator rather than being the stewards of creation um, is kind of the pinnacle, you know, like that's what we really need to be doing is is creating new things that transform even the sort of beings that we are. Um, and so that, I don't know, maybe that's too open-ended a question to ask on a podcast, but do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it seems like uh, actually the, the, the problem with the, at least, at least as it was used in the podcast, which again, we're not going to be talking about anymore but as it was used in 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 the podcast <laughs> it seems like the term is so broad that uh and i think they even said this on the show that that everybody in some sense is a transhumanist like 
Like if you believe in wearing glasses, if you believe that that's not wrong, then you have like some, uh, some, some level of being okay with humans enhancing their bodies with technology. And I, I don't think any of And even more an Apple watch. What's that? Even more. Yeah, an and then, watch. and so, so that's, that's, but, but, but then at the same time, we're talking about like taking people's consciousness and uploading it to the cloud, or we're talking about using science to, uh, you know, grow extra limbs or like, I, I, I don't actually know if that's a thing, but, but we're, we're talking about like <laughs> significant modifications to the human body that either grow new organic tissue or do away with old organic tissue. So instead of an arm, you have a prosthetic like, and you didn't, you didn't lose that arm by accident where you've just decided that like, well, this is better than an arm. So everybody get your arm chopped off. Or or I think, I think there's a third category as well in that, in that space, which is to transform the uh, current body but enhances capabilities. I think that's the other. So glasses would be like that, but I think even more, they're talking, you know, I think they're probably thinking down the road of implants and things like that. They give you an upgrade in a particular area. Yeah. Um, They were talking about like a data store potentially, you know, that you could, you could have implanted into your brain so that you can access more data than you can store in memory, which is sort of like having a smartphone, but direct access. Yeah. So, not getting rid of your brain or giving you a new brain, but enhancing your existing right. brain in some way with technology. And yeah. I have to say, like, on a lot of these things, I'm like, well, I guess that's okay. I mean, I, especially for people <laughs> who, like, you know, if you lost your arm, I'm not opposed to you getting a prosthetic, whether it's a big hunk of plastic uh, with a, you know, with a claw grip or whether it's something far more advanced. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's, I, I do mm-hmm. think that we have to start at least raising questions when people start talking about, uh, replacing things that are already working. Uh, so, you know, you have a yeah. hand, but this hand is better. Wouldn't you want this hand? But I, I'm also a post-millennialist. <laughs> so I, I think that the the human condition is going to improve and that part of that is going to be through technology. But but we're not going to sure. beat death. Um, I could see us beating death back a ways. And in a sense, we already have. I mean, the, the average lifespan, if you compare it to, say, 100 years after Jesus rose from the dead, the average lifespan is is probably close to double we're we're like a full foot mm-hmm. taller um in some cases i think the average is like between a foot and a foot and a half uh taller than people mm-hmm. were two thousand years ago and and i think there is something to this idea that like the curse is is it, it's not going to be finally beaten until again christ comes and and defeats the last enemy death but it does seem to be on the retreat we do seem to be getting somewhere and and there are prophecies in Isaiah that talk about uh, young young men living to be a thousand or sorry men living to be a thousand years old and people people thinking it's a shame that a young man died at a hundred, um, mm. and you can which they even reference that in this episode they, of unbelievable they said I think it's even babies born around now like in the last few years they're predicting they could easily live to a hundred plus right, right. Uh, I believe I am that yep. baby. Um, <laughs> You were born more than a few years That's ago. That's a Parks and Rec reference. Correct. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I see. I always miss the references. Damn. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, this this idea of, like, the creator-creature distinctive, it's not like God gave us uh, a huge list of things and said, you shouldn't change these. Like, don't mess with human lifespan. Like uh, he didn't say, don't, don't try to replace something that's broken. He did like, there, there are things that we can do to love our neighbor that, I don't think God has forbidden us to do. And, and just like I, I wouldn't have any opposition to somebody 
you know, coming up with a new way to do math or coming up with a, a new way to make plants grow faster. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm generally okay with a lot of this stuff. But, but it's such mm-hmm. a broad question. There are obviously, I could hear a listener being like, well, what about this? Are you saying you're okay with this? Well, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and people hopefully will be charitable in the fact that we can't possibly imagine or, or research and come up with every possible possibility in this episode and discuss, you know, where does this fit in the column of Christian yes or no? <laughs> like, what do we say to this one and this one? Like, we just don't have the time or the um, ability to do that right now. But um, I guess there's there's a couple of other articles I want to reference, and the f- one of them um, talks about it's talking about seven things that will change for us as a, as the human race by 2030 uh, in this kind of area. Um, hmm. So it's it's called transhumanism and the future of humanity: seven ways the world would change by 2030. And and the first point there is our bodies will be augmented, which is the one that we've just kind of been talking about. And some of the examples that it gives are CRISPR. Uh, advanced IVF to the point of, you know, selecting the most genetically advanced embryos or genetically sort of superior in whatever category, um, criteria we use to determine that. Um, automatic translators in the ears so that you can understand any language. I think that may have even come up in a- I think it's come a, up like twice uh, now. Podcast episode recently, yeah. Um, and at the time, I, you know, we were all for it. And then listening to you just, I think I think we were all for it. Uh, but listening to you just then saying, you know, well, on the one hand, um, you know, it seems like there are aspects of the curse that are maybe um, being diminished or, or something like that. Um, but, all, you know, the creative, creative creature distinction, I think, is an interesting one because I, I kind of I think I agree pretty much with what you said. And I guess the interesting thing is in in the garden, it's not like God said now, you can go and name all the animals and take care of the earth and populate it and, and have dominion over it, um, but you can't create in these categories. These are, you know, these are things you shouldn't touch mm-hmm. at all. Um, he, he, the only thing he said you shouldn't touch is the tree that they touched. So, um, it, it wasn't like he set them boundaries and said, if you ever get smart enough to do X, don't do it <laughs> because that's against the rules. So, we, I think, you know, that it seems like there has to be some kind of um, other way of us determining as Christians what you know, we, we, I guess we need to use wisdom and, and um, s- adhere to scripture in terms of what is okay and what's not. That would be the, the criteria. So, the, I remember the CRISPR episode, the, it seemed like everyone bar me was all for it. And my hesitancy was with that was cool technology um, would be interesting if it works long term, but it's just too early to know. And it actually could be doing a whole stack of damage because it's on such a fundamental level in terms of genetics, altering genetics of humans. Um, which may not have, you know, repercussions may not be known until late life or next generation or whatever, um, that I kind of was like, I don't, yeah, I just don't feel like it's it's an area that we can confidently step forward in as Christians and say, yes, we should be for this. Uh, people will still disagree with me on that, but automatic translators in the ears um, as just taking a completely separate tack that seems a lot more harmless um, is, you know, you could argue that that's, that's us saying to, um, God, well, you know, Tower of Babel happened and we're going to reverse it because we know how now. <laughs> like, you know, we, you made it so that we couldn't understand, not everyone could understand every other language, uh, but we figured out a way how we can. <laughs> so, like, I don't know, is that, that seems like it, you know, could be considered the wrong thing to do. And so, like, I, I don't know, there's, I still have a lot of questions here that I'm sort of thinking through about um, how this should work. You know, is, are these elements of the curse or are these sort of punishments or, 
or um, boundaries that God has placed on things? Are they things in every area that that you can think of? Um, you know, should we be working towards uh, improving? Like, you know, the automatic translation is is a nice one because it seems like a harmless example. Um, but if God has said this is the way it's going to be from now on, and then we go, yeah, but technology is making us go back the other way. I don't know that something about that still feels pretty uncomfortable to me, um, if you know what I mean. And so I'm, I'm, I guess for me, I'm, I'm sort of the jury's out a little bit because it kind of depends on the case by case example. Um, but I think the creative creature distinction—it's not as simple in this conversation as just saying no because of the creative creature distinction. You know, we are creative people. God has put that in us, and so we do have. Um, the ability, and you could even argue, I suppose, the mandate to use our creativity. Uh, I just think we there are areas where we're going to need to be pretty cautious about how that plays out. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I mean the the creator creature distinction is something that could certainly say no to a handful of things. Like there, there are probably things that mm-hmm. we should not try to change about humans. Um, I, I'm not thinking of any examples off the top of my head, but the the fact of the matter is that you don't just get to play that card. That card is an, is an element in a line of reasoning uh, that, that yeah. the rest of your work needs to be shown. You need to do long division in order to use the creator creature distinction uh, card. The, the other thing with that is you can, you can decide to turn your nose up at the creator creature distinction without even messing with the human body. Like you can decide that like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm writing a novel and now I feel like God. And I guess in a way I am a God. And all you've done is write a novel. It's not because (laughs) of the fact that you, this, uh, uh, if I were an evangelical, I might say it's the heart that matters. But in a real sense, Mm -hmm. the the heart behind what you're doing certainly does matter. Because for one person to write a novel thinking, oh, this is great. I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by God. I'm, I'm, uh, creating after his image, uh, and for another person to say, I'm like a God, like, this is great. I'm God, like I'm the God of this world. And you know, those are two very different things, but the, the, the actual act that they're doing is not inherently wrong or right in itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't know if that answers our question, the question that I posed, but <laughs> I think it's interesting to think another, about um, uh, uh, another aspect of this that might be ahead. worth bringing up. Uh, if we're, if we're trying to answer that question, I think, and this is one that Christians have a history of being on the very slow methodical side of history uh, about, which is, is it okay to put someone's life in danger? To, so like the the CRISPR thing or the 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 idea of like making changes to the human body that are still in beta testing. Is it okay to do things that may actually harm someone if they go wrong and you can't show that there's no, you know, that there, there's only an outside chance that they'll go wrong? Because obviously like bad things happen every day. You know, we all get in cars and yeah, drive yeah. around. That doesn't... So- and any surgery exactly. has risks and all that. Kind um, of but for example, yeah. uh, vaccines. Uh, vaccines were kind of this this stunning development in the medical industry because all of the sudden it was like, hey, we're going to take this thing that's normally really, really bad for you and that everybody around you is dying from. We're going to give it to you so that you don't die. And the Puritans at the time were like, hold up. <laughs> it is not okay to be giving people diseases. That's not a good thing. And eventually there, there were discussions and it was kind of explained to them. But Puritan pastors initially were like, this This research seems wrong. And probably some of it honestly was. Um, I mean, we like mm. so much of medical history has advanced as far as it has because 
we were either experimenting on people who didn't know it and couldn't say no, or we were experimenting on people who did know it and couldn't say no. See Nazi Germany. I mean, that's, that's where a ton of our stuff, uh, a ton of our recent advancements have come. Um, or we were experimenting on people who were as good as dead anyway. Uh, another really interesting example of this is uh, how we learned to do blood transfusions. Uh, blood. <laughs> we, we figured out that people need blood to run. And so then we started putting other blood in them. And it went bad most of the time. But every now and then they'd get the blood type right. And it would be fine. And it would be good. They tried, they tried <laughs> injecting water. They tried at one point injecting milk. They, 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 like, and that went really badly. Like the the Christian response to transhumanism needs to be one of, one of the rules here is thou shalt not kill. And by that, I mean, do no harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. that's, that's something that I think the, the, there are ethics boards and things in medical communities, but those ethics boards in the medical communities aren't necessarily involved right now in the technology side of this. And, and at the very least, Christians should be a voice, uh, crying out against that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I, I read an interesting, another article I was reading, which um, maybe gives a slightly different take on this. Cause I, I think you're right. I think there are some things that enhance our bodies that, I mean, well, like, like you said, glasses is an example, even surgery is another one. You know, people have corrective surgery when things go wrong in their bodies. And if they didn't have that, they would die. Um, but with the surgery, they've sort of, you know, replumb something or, you know, <laughs> redirect something. And now it works better. Title. Um, <laughs> there, there's an, uh, an article on Wired uh, called What Inspector Gadget Can Teach Us About Transhumanism, uh, which I, I want to link to in the show notes. <laughs> David's now scratching his head about how I come up with these things, um, how I find them. But anyway, uh, I, I just want to read a chunk of it and, and, because I think it was an interesting sort of take on this whole thing. Bearing in mind, this is from Wired. So this is not from Christianity Today. This is not from any of the sort of uh, Christian blog sites that we, you know, talk about often on this show in terms of Desiring God and Ligonier and all that sort of thing. But um, early in the first, so this is a, a sort of a few excerpts. Early in the first episode of Inspector Gadget, there's a scene that establishes the entire premise of the show. While our titular gadget tries to find the instruction manual for the car he's driving to deal with the overheating engine, in fact, the car is on fire because an evil robot spewed flames at it, he takes his hands off the wheel. Penny, as will become a recurring theme in the show, saves the day by actually paying attention to her surroundings and noticing that the car is about to fly off a cliff. She grabs the wheel and averts disaster, completely unbeknownst to her bionic uncle. Gadget has seemingly unlimited physical resources at his disposal, at his disposal but cannot use them to save his life. More tools, as any overexcited new home chef can tell you, don't make you a better cook. Inspector Gadget has, it seems, every possible piece of gadgetry at his disposal, but he can't see the forest through the bionic trees. Penny, on the other hand, undistracted by an endless number of technological choices, remains clear-eyed to save the day. Penny is not completely untechnological. She's, in fact, a brilliant inventor in her own right. In many episodes, she builds up and deploys devices to help solve the case. But where Gadget has technology embedded within him as a bodily element, and as such has less than perfect control over it, Penny uses technology as a tool outside her body. Body as machine fantasies also imagine technology will work as we hope every time, but anybody who's ever used any kind of device can tell you that's (laughs) not true. 
to admit that the body and the mind that sits within it might be far more complex than our most delicate, intricate inventions endangers all kinds of things, the medical industrial complex, the wellness industry, and countless startups, but it might also open up new doors for better relationships with our bodies too. Disability scholars have long argued that the way we see our bodies as fixable ultimately serves to further marginalise people who have never who never have the standard operating system, no matter how many times their parts are replaced or tinkered with. Uh, so that's like, like I said, a sort of a, a truncated version Wild of the things. article. Uh, but I, th- yeah, but I thought that was really interesting coming from not necessarily a Christian worldview. There were, there were a few things in there, particularly that, that sort of last couple of paragraphs, um, just about the idea of there are, there are technologies we can take on that help us. And I think in that way, like even things like the Apple watch we were talking about earlier, wearable tech. So Google glasses, I know it's not a thing, but. Um, you know, something like that that kind of makes day-to-day life easier. It I, just feels like my default position is those things I see as really good, you know, ways of improving the way that we already interact with the world. But when we get, start getting to these implanted things, the things that we actually take inside of our body, that's where it starts to get a little bit more hazy for me. Or it feels like we're saying, well, this is necessarily broken and it has to be fixed. And a lot of things are broken and can be fixed. But some things I just don't know if we can cross that line or, or where that, you know, where we need to draw that line. And so I think that's what I was saying about, you know, needing to approach with caution. Um, I think I have two more questions, which are sort of uh, related to each other. Um, so this is following on. I just want to quickly run through those seven things that I said might be different by 2030, according to that article. Uh, bodies will be augmented was the first one. Thought process will be faster and more transferable, which is the sort of brain implant, brain machine interface stuff that we've talked about recently. Gamification and behavioral science will increase human productivity. Uh, we'll be more empathetic, and they use VR for that to say, you know, we can walk a mile in someone else's shoes, hmm. that kind of thing. Um, emergence of extreme personalization and customization, which you could argue I think is happening already, but, you know, in particular with marketing to emotions and things like that. So people being able to pick up your online behavior and how you might be feeling at the time and then marketing a specific way based on your emotion, not just your, you know, age, location, gender those kinds of things. Uh, business practices will shift significantly and they talk about AI and those kinds of technologies there. Uh, and then conversations focused on societal values will gain a great deal of attention, uh, which is kind of interesting because that's much more about the relational nature of humanity and how we deal with each other uh, and less about, hey, we have this technology and it can do this cool thing. So I think we're getting pretty close to time for this episode. It could go for a long time. It's a huge topic and maybe we need to do a part two, um, particularly might be interesting to get the other guys thoughts on this as well, but I wanted to know, I think it'd be good for both of us to answer these questions if we can. So what is one technology you think will transform humanity in the future that you're happy about? And what is one technology you think will transform humanity that you are most cautious about? Oh, wow. Uh, Do you already have answers to these? (laughs) Sorry. I should have have given you time to, I can give, I can give an answer to the first one. Uh, I think that we are going to get a lot, a lot better at prosthetics. I think like in the not too distant Mm -hmm. future, probably in the next 10 years, we're going to be at a place where I don't, I don't know that it's going to be a one-to-one correspondence with having an actual hand. You know, if your arm gets cut off, I don't don't know if it's going to be a one-to-one correspondence, but the idea of being able to do 80 plus percent of what you can, what you can do with your hand. I think, I think we could get there and I'm really excited for that because I've said, uh, Recently, actually, I had a I had a friend who uh, he ended up passing away, but he had uh, one of his legs 
cut off. And I was thinking about how bad that was. And I was realizing though, that it is the best time in history to, to lose a limb. Like that's, that's, uh, mm. it's a weird way to look at it, I guess. But, but you know, a hundred years ago, if you lost a limb, you could die. Um, just because yeah. you couldn't work, you couldn't feed yourself, et cetera. And now, yeah. in the next 10 years, I think we can get there. So do you have one for best and most excited? Um, I have one that I, I'm kind of, it's, it's a hope. I hope we can get there. I don't know how possible this is. And I certainly haven't done a huge amount of research into where it's up to at the moment. Um, it's one that I think I've mentioned on this show before because of the uh, internal brain injury that my um, youngest son suffered in the womb. He's essentially blind. Um, he can maybe see the difference between like ultra light and mm. ultra dark. So if you take him right out into the sun, he might, he might squint. Um, but he doesn't reach out for objects in front of mm. him and stuff like that. Uh, and so, and that's because we don't think, well, the testing so far has showed there's very little signal getting from his eyes, which are taking in light. Okay. His retinas are functioning, but the, the, uh, processing unit at the back of his brain, uh, is not working. Uh, and so, you know, there is a chance because he's so young that alternate pathways in the brain will pick up the slack where there's, um, deficiencies at the moment. And that would, that he might learn to have more usable vision, but that's kind of an outside chance. And I kind of look at the cochlear implant or something like that for the for hearing as and just and just am hopeful that over time they'll develop a similar kind of thing for blindness. Um, I don't really know. I don't know medically enough about the similarities there. Um, it's you know in terms of being able to um, construct vision when vision seems to be very very lacking. Um, but I'm hopeful that if they've done something as profound as the cochlear implant, someone who's who is basically very, very deaf being able to hear for the first time. Um, I'm hopeful that they'll be able to in some way um, transfer that across to vision as well. Um, I, I must say from a Christian perspective, I have, well, I, I think I have, <laughs> I certainly hope I have. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of continually trying to make my peace with the fact that um, if that doesn't happen and, or if, you know, my son is never healed from this in this life or whatever, that, that that's okay. And that God will, you know, God is sovereign and, and good anyway in and through all of that um so i'm not sort of pinning all my hopes on this but i'm just saying i think it'd be nice and i think there'd be a heck of a lot of people who would benefit from it and what an amazing um impact that could have if that was um to come about but yeah i I don't know like i said i'm not a doctor and i'm not um in an expert in either hearing or vision (laughs) to know how realistic the transfer is between you know applying a similar technology in a different uh, part of the body or different sort of um, sensory faculty, but something yeah. that's uh, exciting along those lines. I don't know. I don't know how far it'll go in our lifetime, but like the iPhone right now has a, there's an, there's actually an API built right into iOS for object recognition. Uh, so while the camera, it just does live mm-hmm. object recognition, you point it at a scene and it tells you everything that's in the yeah. scene. Uh, so the idea of <laughs> like being a blind person and being able to walk into a room and have like anything important because you can, you know, once you have the list of objects, you can promote the most important ones to the top and Siri can say, okay, well, there's a man in here with a gun. There's a, uh, there's a dog to your left. You Hopefully know. not in <laughs> yeah. Australia because we don't have many. You know, I just kind of give the, give the top three highlights and then say, shall I keep going? And yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, you know, there's a, there, there's a, uh, et cetera. Um, so yeah. I, I don't know, like, like that could be really cool. The idea, the idea of having a computer take, take something that you can't perceive because of some, some handicap and turn and, and bring it to another sense that, that can perceive. 
seems like we're mm-hmm. getting there a lot faster. Um, you know, the idea of mm-hmm. like real time subscription yep. of the speech of somebody who, who's talking to you, uh, either through, uh, yep. lip recon- or, uh, lip reading or through, uh, audio, uh, transcription. Anyway. Yep. Yep. Cool. So is there any that you're cautious about? <laughs> uh, see, this is something that I, I mean, I'm super cautious about all the, uh, all, all the experimenting being done with, with genetics, uh, with trying mm-hmm. to build, you know, superhuman babies and all of that. I, I, I don't understand how you can do that without causing harm, uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, on the, on the subjects where it doesn't work out correctly. Um, it yeah. seems like it is that, that seems like one where I would want to, want to play the, uh, the playing God part. And the reason I would want to play card and the reason I would want to play that is because if you don't know what you're doing, you're screwing around with people's lives and only God yeah. gets to, gets to exercise that kind of sovereignty over other people. Like the, the, yeah. the simple fact of the matter is that we are commanded not to murder, not to harm. And if your research has the potential for causing that, and you don't have any any real protections against it. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not uh, saying no to every single aspect of DNA tampering. I don't know. There may be some ways that are perfectly safe. We are getting pretty good at mapping the genome. We might be able to 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 prevent things like Alzheimer's. I'm not like wildly opposed to that. Uh, you know, if, if there was some some something that could be done early on in a child's formation that could uh preclude alzheimer's i'm not i'm not opposed to that but i think that great care needs to be given and and again the the idea of of trying to create super babies by circumventing the natural process by which children are made uh that's very troubling to me yeah and i would agree that's still my um well those two crispr and and advanced ivf or whatever are still my two most um, I, I just can't, I can't seem to shift them mentally from the basket of this seems like a really dangerous idea, whether or not it's a bad idea, I don't know, but it seems too dangerous to be considered a good idea. Like I can't shift it across to, yeah, this is a good idea. Um, uh, IVF, it's, it's definitely like a, um, you know, it's, it's in some ways it's already a problem, but, uh, you know, that's too close to the whole abortion issue for me. Um, in terms of what happens to the unwanted embryos and all that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, the other one, CRISPR, you know, the fact that it can, like I said, it can take so long. So, you know, even if you got CRISPR to work a bunch of times, which I, I don't know where it's up to. I feel like maybe they have, I don't know. I'd need to do some research into where it's at at the moment, but just say CRISPR becomes fairly mainstream in the next 10, 15 years. Right. Uh, the idea that down the track, it, it, it could well go wrong still right. because we don't have the, the data yeah. in place to be able to say, you know, like doctors at the moment could say, if we perform this bypass surgery on your heart, you will have, you know, 85% chance of survival or whatever. Like they, they can be f- somewhat accurate with the prognosis long-term, but we just don't have that history behind us. And so to sort of move ahead headlong there, it kind of feels like, you know, when they back at, I think it was like in the thirties and forties when they advertised smoking is good for you. <laughs> and, then, and then like they found out like 20 years later. Oh, turns people, out. And uh, yeah, it turns out it's not good for you. So like, I'd hate for us to make the same uh, mistake on a much larger and more serious scale. Um, more serious might seem to be the wrong word there, but you know what I mean? Like on a, on a more fundamental scale, when we're yeah, talking about actual that, genetic makeup. That far down the stack. Yeah, it just, that to me is something that I still think we need to be cautious about, but I don't want to, you know, make this a whole CRISPR episode. I guess 
I'm really interested to hear what the community thinks about this, um, about the whole issue of transhumanism. Is Christian transhumanist a uh, complete oxymoron? Uh, is there an, an aspect to it that maybe you can appreciate where it's coming from or is it just completely something you'd reject? Um, and then maybe even, yeah, you know, if anyone's got ideas on these these sort of top things um, in the positive or the negative uh, or anything else, we'd, we'd love to hear in episode discussion what you think about that. And if you would like to listen to our back catalog of episodes, I'm not sure which episodes uh, we, we referenced, like uh, which episode numbers, but I will try to get those in the show notes, especially if Craig can help me find them. Uh, but you can find them by going to techreformation.com. I didn't mention Slack when I said episode discussion, but that is where it is. It's at uh, slack.techreformation.com to sign in. So <laughs> ah, head yes. there um, uh, to sign up. Sorry. Yes. Sign slack. in. Slack.techreformation.com <laughs> to sign up. To sign in is techreformation.slack.com. But that's confusing, uh, so you shouldn't say it. <laughs> so head to our Slack. That's where the episode discussion is that I was talking about earlier. We need a theme song that talks about the Slack. Anyway, this has been the Tech Reformation. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week. Can we just um, use the bit? Join us on Slack from the flogging song. <laughs> just just that. <laughs> just that. That section. would actually be really like, funny to just steal like eight seconds of the song and put it after our main song. <laughs> or put it after this uh, discussion after our main song. Oh.